All right, Kevin, uh, first question's the easiest or the hardest, depending on how you look at it. Uh, what is your franchise story? How did you accidentally fall into franchising just like everybody else? Uh, you know, right out of college, I, I took a sales job um, with a company called Fastenal. Uh, fell in love with selling and uh, was able to combine my passion for selling along with uh, entrepreneurship and uh, just fell in with the, love with the idea of actually putting people in business uh, not you know with it with another company and the backing of a franchise and a brand so if you go back to day last of not being in franchising to first day in what what was your perception of how franchising worked or didn't didn't work and how has that evolved over time you know it, it's evolved uh with mostly technology as everything else has evolved technology is has really put franchising at the forefront you know, if you look at uh, the way we generate leads for for Goddard uh, owners right now and franchisees, um, we're putting leads in uh, in their queue instantaneously. Uh, back when I started franchising, leads and and generating marketing uh, was done in a fairly antiquated uh, manual fashion. Uh, it's just a very quick business now, um, and and just really uh, ensures the. Uh, the likelihood of success uh, for a franchisee going forward for each brand. All right. So in, in the example that you're talking about, and obviously Goddard School has uh, a carried reputation alongside it. So uh, I would if I if I'm breaking down the advantage of what you just said, franchising in the current situation that you're in because of supply and demand, franchisee X opens and there's already a built-in lead generation model versus maybe some other brands that you've seen and maybe more on the merging side, they open up and the franchisee has to really hustle to get some, some groundwork. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, yeah, that's accurate for the most part. You know, we, we uh, pre-sell our uh, lead generation for our schools well before they're open and we plan uh, alongside with our franchisees through that process. Uh, if you were to look back when I first started in franchising 25 plus years ago, uh, everything was off an 800 number and sat into a, a voicemail box uh, in comparison. So the, the business is just moving much, much faster. And so I would I would imagine from where you stand, would you see increased accountability for the franchisee? Because if lead generation is working for them, then it's up to them to operate the business. Yeah. And therefore, if like seeing what the gap is between a high performing franchise owner and a mid to low is probably easier too. then, right? Yeah. Well, you know, my love has always been in sales and, and I've had an entire career of sales. Uh, it is absolutely true that time does kill all deals, uh, as they say. In this case, the, the leads that we generate nationally for our franchisees uh, it's up up to the franchisee and the operator to respond to them in a timely fashion. Uh, make sure that their pitch and tour of their facility and their, and their school to the prospective parents is done in a way that's um, meaningful to them and answers all their questions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination. It's a very symbiotic relationship now between the franchisor and franchisee. From a sales standpoint, I mean, I've always looked at franchising as, in, in my mind, I can't come up with something that is more difficult to sell. You're trying to convince someone to invest their life savings into business they have little to no control over. That seems, and, and most of the times, switching or jumping careers, 
uh, alongside that, and then also having to secure additional financing for this very, very complex thing. When you look at your life in sales, lined up with the complexities of what I just said, how have you navigated those those waters to frame your positioning as someone in franchise development? Yeah, so from a, from a Goddard perspective, we do a lot of handholding with our franchisees. So from the beginning uh, in the franchise sales realm, uh, we're, we're actually selling the value of what Goddard brings to the franchisees. Uh, but we're not just selling Goddard the brand, we're also selling early childhood education as a segment. And I will say that early childhood education, along with Goddard, is probably the, one of the best kept secrets in franchising. Um, it is, it's close to a staple or it is a staple for families that need to go back to work, have dual incomes coming in. So we provide a service and a need um, that is essential today. Um, pair with that, the value that, that Goddard drives uh, with our social emotional development of, of children through being kind to themselves and others that we teach um, really drives home uh, the value to our parents and families. So, I, you know, I, I think they're uh, as we said, I think there's a ton of value in not just franchising, but franchising in the early childhood education segment. What What is your salesman superhero skill set that you've gained over your sales career that is yours, not Goddard's? That specifically to Kevin. What What is your What is your superhero strength when it comes to sales? You know, I, I think my listening skills are always essential when, when you're in the franchise sales world. You're not uh, and, and not trying to just drive your message home, but really listen to um, your customers, understand what they're trying to accomplish. And there have been times where um, selling them a franchise did not make sense. And just being honest with them that this wasn't the right time for them uh, or the right franchise for them. And actually, you know, having other uh, segments or areas in which you could point them to and, and guide them to. I mean, I, I think that's a that's a really fair skill set that misses in franchising a lot. Now, part of that is due to CEOs or boards that have unrealistic expectations aligned with sales goals. And therefore, a salesperson in your position has to sell, not develop franchisees. When you can develop a franchise owner, at least in my opinion, scale should have a higher likelihood of happening. And if scale happens, then royalties increase and the franchise owner makes more money. But it's always been backwards in franchising that some brands sell franchises. So in that in that scenario that you just gave as your superhero power to be able to listen and know that you're dealing with someone's most intimate earnings that they've worked hard over their life, you're you're able to say, well, maybe this isn't the right fit for you. That might be hard for you to hear. That's not the right fit. But in franchising, I think that's that, that's a tough thing for a lot of people that have to sell to hit a board or a CEO goal. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, the, the reason we're able to be selective and actually make those recommendations is we do have a growing pipeline. Yeah. So it allows us to actually make those common sense decisions on a daily basis. Uh, not only common sense for, for Goddard, but also the franchisee or prospect that we're dealing with. Are you running into a challenge, not, not that you can't overcome it, in that you've hit size and scale. And so now the markets that you want to expand into have gotten tighter and therefore you have to find individuals in tighter markets than before when the entire country is wide open. Yeah, so we have we, we approach our uh, markets uh, differently depending on density. Uh, we started in the Philadelphia market. And so our, our, the density in Philadelphia and Eastern Pennsylvania 
is fairly tight there. Uh, we generally elect to to grow with our, our franchisee, our existing franchise base in those markets. Um, and the amount of demand that our franchisees de- um, uh, are, are requesting to grow, I think shows the health of the Goddard brand in, in, in a sense, where if you have franchisees that see that the profitability that the brand drives and want to grow more with you, I think is, is really, really a great sign. Uh, then we have a pioneer strategy for markets that we don't have any sort of um, brand presence in. So our strategy there is complete 180 opposite than it would be in the dense markets. And then we have the the opportunistic markets where it's traditional sales sales uh, sales tactics that they, that take place. You know, you're generating leads off of your websites. You're following up that with them in a timely fashion. You're answering any questions you you have. You you go through the normal cadence of uh, the sales process. When it comes to the multi-unit operator, obviously you said in, in Philadelphia or in some of your tighter markets, you're re- you're relying on your existing franchisees to scoop up that additional space because if they can scale, they're going to drive their gross revenues anyway. Do you feel, can a multi-unit franchisee succeed within your business or does it have to be a Goddard School franchisee first that has to scale. Like if someone from, you know, brand X comes in and says, well, look at my portfolio, Kevin, would you see their odds of success? Not as good as someone that's actually already been operating in the system. Yeah. We, I mean, our operators, uh, the success of Goddard is, be, uh, is, is a lot because of our franchisees and how good they are. And we have an owner onsite model. So a multi uh, school franchisee has to put in their time and create a track record with the, within Goddard. Uh, for us to approve them for additional schools. So we we have a very um, coordinated approach to growth with our existing franchisees. Um, and then they identify partners that they can go to market with if they want to expand past one, two, or three schools at that point. Uh, obviously, lead generation isn't necessarily a challenge for you, um, but what keeps you up at night? whether it relates to you as a salesperson or, or you as a salesperson within Goddard? You know, um, from a from a pipeline perspective, as well as lead growth perspective, um, that doesn't keep me up at night at all. The demand for Goddard is really, really strong. Um, you know, we have the probably the most precious cargo out of any franchise organization out there. Uh, I like to refer to them to the, as the kiddos that we're responsible for on a daily basis. So if there's anything that keeps me up at night, it's the health and safety of those children. Um, and, you know, our part of it is making sure that we're recruiting the right franchisees at the right time um, to own a school and be franchise or, uh, franchisees of our schools. So, uh, again, health and safety of the kids are, are, is probably quintessential uh, and keeps me up at night. Switching, switching gears to the business opportunity, if I said what's the, what's the why you why now as it relates to Goddard, how would you answer that? You know, I, I, it's the best kept secret in franchising. A lot of it's probably a misnomer out there that that Goddard is even a franchise opportunity. People pass by them on the road and think it could be an institution that's owned by a corporation or, or that kind of thing. Um, so trying to get the word out there that that um, you, that that there are individuals that can buy a franchise and open a school with 25 faculty and and teachers that that report up through them um, and and actually. Uh, very predictable business. You're not having to sell every every single night a, a new submarine sandwich or uh, maybe a hotel room night. You you actually generally have a, a student in there with, with good customer service that will be in there for four or five years. 
And then you usually generally get the sibling as well along with it if you've done a, a good job of engaging with parents and families. So uh, I think the uh, it's a very predictable model and it can be very profitable from a return standpoint. All right, so I hear best kept secret, uh, scalable scalability mm -hmm. uh we're we're doing a lot of the back-end work to make ease of operations stronger uh for you and then just the the business viability as the four key reasons is that similar to what you just said it is it is it is uh there's also a quality of life issue uh with it as well a lot of our a lot of our franchisees actually are able to uh, teach their their children uh when they open the school as well so a little bit more face time with your children um, and there, an added benefit, um, not really a driver, is the fact that we're generally we're not open on weekends or, or, or evenings as well with a lot of franchisors. Yeah, I mean, from from where I stand, first of all, I love what you just said. Uh, second comment is at the beginning of last year, we started profiling all the franchisees that we work with, typically around an opening or a signing. Started asking them more about their buyer journey and what what kept them up at night, what got them over the edge. And there's only one thing, one reason people become franchisees still at, at everybody that we've we've profiled. That's something for their family. It could be legacy. It could be I'm, I'm trying to build better lifestyle. I want more wealth, whatever it is. It has to relate to, to family. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I love these questions because I think in, in today's digital world and we can talk about go back to the answer to your first question on what has changed in franchising that digital has has added or technology has added a whole new component. I like listening to what you said. And then I look at what what is a ghost scene right now? And all those four points, like I see a picture of a building, I should see a picture of my family because I'm closed on weekends. Yeah. Uh, best kept secret in franchising. We're, we're just touting ourselves as an entrepreneur brand right now. And so I listen to what you just said. I'm like, that's not how that's not the story you're telling. And it's so awesome. But sometimes closing those little gaps because you you know it for whatever reason, just doesn't articulate over to website. And so now, right now you're selling Goddard the building yep. when you have something that's pretty magical in what you just said. Yep, yep. And uh, we, you know, we do spend a lot of time in the sales process, um, just talking to folks, understanding what their wants and needs are uh, and, and being more conversational. So a lot of that does come through in, in, in the conversations that we have. Uh, our, our sales cycle is, is probably a little elongated from some of the other franchise organizations uh, because we want to make sure that our potential franchisees and prospects have thought about this offering and have embraced it by the time they're they're buy ready. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Kevin, so there's a ghost out there. They've listened to our discussion so far. What do you want them to know about this opportunity that might push them over the edge that we haven't talked about so far? Uh, you know, there, there's, there's so many different things, um, you know, folks that have a passion for education and, uh, especially educating children, you have a lot of, um, so there's always the financial benefit. I mean, our average franchisee in 2022 that, that was fully ramped up, which means, um, you know, open school for 18 months, they made $465,000 in EBITDA last year. Um, and if you were to look at our item 19 in our franchise offer, uh, FDD, uh, we actually disclose every one of our school's uh, performance numbers, top line as well as bottom line EBITDA. So I would always invite people to look at that. And the return on investment is certainly there. Uh, but there's one thing that is not in any of our marketing materials, not in any FDD out there. It's the work that we do. Um, the fact that we're giving back to the world, making the world a better place through through ch uh, teaching children is something that, that you, you, it doesn't come through in any of those marketing materials. Uh, it's one of the one of the special things that we have at Goddard. 
Uh, I'm sure we have it at, at the other early childhood education franchises out there, but it's certainly here at Goddard. Um, just knowing that that our mission in life uh, makes the world a better place uh, is certainly something that that, that you would miss through uh, the website. Love it, Kevin. You're you're calm and collected in your approach. I feel like I'm buying from you as you're as you're talking. So uh, that's a that's a good sign. Really appreciate you sharing your franchise story and the story of Goddard. Uh, for Kevin, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Zor. Thank <laughs> you.